Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Welcome in to Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Elfrink here, Ray Flowers over there. And I'm guessing there's a name for this day, but I have no idea what it is. I actually just looked at the corner of my computer. 22224, which, Ray, 2 plus 22 equals 24. I'm sure those who are into dates and numbers and how they align, there's got to be some kind of a description of that. 2224. 24 right Something. yeah so it's we've got pi day and all these kind of like yeah, yeah uh i love math uh and i wish i was better at it if honestly if i was better at it i'd probably be in a different industry because i always want to do like <laughs> astrophysics or something like that um but yeah i'm sure there's a group of people out there kyle that certainly have this day marked as something important yeah ray ray's mostly down for may the 4th be with you. That's that's the one that Ray digs uh, coming up here in a couple of months. Um, a pleasure to have you with us. Today's kind of a big day. Coming up at uh, three o'clock, spring training game number one. First game of the spring, San Diego and LA. Uh, they're getting a, a slightly earlier start because we haven't even talked about this, I don't think, Ray, but those two teams are going to South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that? I think it's exactly a month from now. It's like the 22nd, 23rd, maybe those two games, which is about five or six days before the actual regular season begins. So for people who are sticklers for these things, Ray, um, and they want to draft before the season begins, understand the season actually begins damn early <laughs> this year with those two games in South Korea. Yeah, we drafted the, the Labor League. We talked about it on the show yesterday. You can find that video over at the website. You can find it on YouTube at youtube.com slash network. You can find my article. It's free for everyone over at the website as well, fantasyguru.com. We, because uh, that's run by Steve Gardner of USA Today, and he's very much on top of things. So we're our first week, it's a Roto League, but our first week is those two games plus the next week. Okay. So, you know, just make sure your, your, your setup is, it's clear. Because someone asked me yesterday, do what do we do? You know, do I draft before or after? And I'm like, well, I I mean, my assumption is that those games count for mm-hmm. week one, whether it's a head-to-head or a roto league. I don't think they should be excluded. Uh, even if you draft the day after they start, I think they should count. What do you think? I think they should. I, I've got a home league draft, which will be the, the weekend after. Um, it'll be that Saturday, which is like two or three days after those games in South Korea. And it's like two or three days before. March 28th or whatever the actual start date is. And Ray, I, I think we will, you know, retroactively score those. And, you know, if Yamamoto Ray goes out and throws a seven inning shutout, you, you watch, he'll be a top five or six pitcher. Don't you think, I mean, he's already probably top 15, top 20. Right. And Ray, that will mess with people. There's already the excitement, but if he goes over there and shuts out like Tatis and Machado and the I know the Padres aren't great anymore, but it's still a decent lineup. That that'll lift his value like crazy. It, it that that is one guy in particular, Ray, that I think that one game. It's just one game, but because of the excitement with him, the Dodgers hype. You know, if he's really good in that game, I could see him easily vault into the first half dozen pitchers off the board, which is crazy, but but it'll happen. You don't think people will make that decision because I took him as my first pitcher in labor the other night? That's I, 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 I had him in a league, too. I took him as my first guy. I, I guess I'm buying into the hype a bit with Yamamoto. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and again, we've, we've talked about this idea. Like, in that labor draft, the guy that was taken right after me is Tyler Glasnow. And it's like, Tyler Glasnow can't throw 130 innings. So, you, you know, even when, once you get past, like, five guys, it's like, eh, you know? So there's obviously risk with Yamamoto and all that. But mm-hmm. the, the talent is absolutely there. All the scouts believe in it. And uh, we'll see how it turns out. What do we got for today? Um, as noted, the start of spring training. We got a little bit on that. Uh, we will continue our discussion of all things shortstop this week. Uh, one guy I don't think we've mentioned. I went here Monday, so maybe Ray mentioned this. Uh, but we got to talk about O'Neill Cruz. Um, O'Neill Cruz did not play a lick last season. Now he's back. And there's obviously been other rookies to arrive and other storylines to emerge. He plays in Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe a bit of a forgotten player, maybe a forgotten superstar. We'll see where uh, Ray lands on that as we talk about O'Neill Cruz. Uh, Team preview. Everyone's been waiting for this one. The Colorado Rockies. Um, Quick question, Ray. Last year, they had 59 wins. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if this year is going to be a whole lot better. How does Bud Black stay on board? Why, why, Why is he still a guy with the Colorado Rockies right now? There he is, Kyle. Who's that? Is that Brendan your Rogers. man or Brendan Rodgers? Brendan Rodgers, I told you I'd get him on there. Okay, well, congrats. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect anything else. Yes, how does Bud Black keep his job? Is, was, that was your question, right? Yeah, how's he keep, is he just I mean, such a good guy that doesn't matter if they win 65 games every year? <laughs> yes, I, I think it's partly that. And maybe at least the ownership is legitimately aware of the fact their team isn't very good. <laughs> I don't But yeah, you're right. He's a nice guy. He's a baseball lifer. Yeah. I, I've never really heard anything negative about him, but people love him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he hasn't been, I mean, at some point you can blame the manager, but what's he doing wrong if his team just isn't any talent? There's no talent. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the hope would be like in the, in the, the argument against him, Ray would be, Hey, you're a pitcher. You were a pitching coach. We're, we're not giving you all stars on the mound. Yeah. But why don't you develop some of these guys? Well, we get it. It's, it's course field. It's difficult, but Ray, the, I, I guess is their biggest success story Kyle Freeland. It's like Erman Marquez. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here over the last decade. They they literally have nobody that has even come close to being like considered as a as a top forty starting pitcher. Yeah, and I mean you look at the group now, and we'll we'll talk about the team, right? But you look at the group now, and it's like it's ugly. Like mm-hmm. their predicted starting rotation is ugly. <laughs> and in the bullpen, Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinney, and Jalen Beeks. That, that bullpen, I thought the White Sox had a bad setup, Ray. Yeah. This Rockies bullpen is brutal. I mean, Bud Black can take guys from being a D minus to a C plus, okay, <laughs> but they're still a C plus. Like I just that's the thing. I don't I don't know, Kyle. They're in they're in a rough spot. Our draft guide focus today. We'll take a look at Strand Ray. I uh, got some news and notes. Gunnar Henderson, Tim Anderson, there in the news. Uh, Justin Fields on the NFL side continues to be in the news talking about the rumors that suggests the Bears may be moving on from him. So we'll get to all that over the next hour or so. As usual, hit us up in YouTube uh, with with the chat room, Facebook, X, wherever you're at. You can always uh, give us your thoughts, any questions that you might have. Additionally, we've got uh, the draft guide that's available. We like to tell you every day because, hey, this is how sales work. You got to remind people. You got to be in their face, Ray. So get in their face and tell them what they're missing if they don't have the draft guide. A lot. The draft guide is something that we're really proud of. Uh, Maybe we is a strong word because it's me because it's mostly me. But we do have articles (laughs) from Rob Povia. He just dropped one about catchers yesterday. We've got Patio Joe, who we've seen on the show here, talking about head-to-head. 
Uh, we've got uh, Bonder and MLB model talking about best ball. So we've got a little bit of the, the team involved doing a lot of things. We've got rankings, points league rankings, dynasty rankings, rookie rankings, mixed league, AL and NL only, auction values for all these things. We've got all that as part of the draft guide. Uh, we've got all the articles talking about various subject matters. We had a rookie week. We had a head-to-head week. This week, we're, we're starting today, the home run week. So we've got certain sections talking about that. We'll have uh, access for all of you to go to Discord and ask any and all questions you want to get answers all day around the clock. Uh, and then we've got, I think, one of the bigger situations with the sucker is that it's a full season draft guide, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a preseason draft guide. It's through the whole season. You get the ability to read all the articles, converse all season long in Discord. Uh, you get the rankings, full rankings update, 600 guys, first of every month, uh, get updated. Uh, and all of it is available right now at the early bird price for 50. But as we tell our folks here on the show, Kyle, use the promo code FSD20. That's FSD20. That knocks the price down even further, 20 more percent down to $40. Basically a price of going out to grab a couple beers with your buddy on a Friday night, get you coverage all season long for seasonal baseball. Um, in regards, right, to those rankings, would, would you like a little more work? Could I suggest a little more work for you? I know, I know you're oh, always sure. hitting me up on Gchat like, yeah. I have nothing to do today, mm-hmm. Kyle. Can you mm-hmm. give me? Um, you know what I think be cool? And, and I don't know how much work this actually is. Maybe you can tell me. But I think it'd be neat, right, because you do those rankings at the first of every month mm-hmm. to um, have some sort of where they were in April, May, mm-hmm. June, July, to kind of see that up and down and, and how they change. Now, again, that's obviously more work but i think that'd be kind of cool to see over the course of a year how a guy goes up and down and fluctuates and if you were on a guy earlier if not you know all those things just kind of more uh more bullet points or data points i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah i think that that would be an excellent addition uh no it's, <laughs> it's an been asked intern. get an intern yeah right? well it's an excellent question uh it's been asked previously and it was an excellent question when the users asked me and i will say it this way I don't have the time to collate data like that. Ideally, we'd have a tool that would do it. Yeah. Because like other, it's available, right? Uh, I'm not in charge of that department. I'm going to make a public plea. If anybody's looking for a summer internship, it's going to, I mean, I'll suggest it'll be unpaid. But if you love <laughs> baseball and you're somebody who's interested in this world, this industry, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that Ray, Jeff Manns, whomever would make it, would love to hear from you. And you could do things like this. And you could work hand in hand with Jeff Manns. I mean, how cool would that be? But well, I don't know. Hit those people up on Twitter or something. It's, you know, again, it's it's uh, newsflash. In this business, you're working for free <laughs> for a lot of time until you, until you make your bones. And that, I'm not speaking to 28-year-olds or right. people. You know, these are people, right? What we're talking about here is something a 16-year-old baseball fanatic could do and kind of help out and kind of learn the ropes and, yeah. and get your foot in the door, as they and say. I, honestly, you know, I Excel is a wonderful tool. I probably use 9% of what Excel can do. So uh-huh. this might be something that a whiz banger 16 year old could do in 15 minutes. I, I maybe so. that's the case. Like you're saying, we'll, we'll, we'll sign you up. Uh, but yeah, just so people know, uh, sometimes they ask me my life story and I've written and talked about it previously many times. I worked for free for like a year mm-hmm. when I first started my that when I was in college. So that's, yeah, it's, it's a long, tough road to get to where we are, Kyle. Yeah, to get to where, I don't know where we are, but to get to where we are. Um, okay, let's leave that in the rear view mirror and let's get into the uh, meaty part of today's show. Um, as noted, that spring training game, Padres in LA, I'm sure MLB Network probably has that game on. It's a uh, 
310 first pitch. <clears throat> Excuse me. A couple of things to note there. Uh, Joe Musgrove, I think, is maybe not to start, but is going to make an appearance. And that's good news because he missed two and a half months at the end of last year, I guess it was. And Gavin Lux, Ray, is another guy set to be out there for the Dodgers. Again, I don't know if it's going to be starting or not, but both those guys, uh, it'll be good to see him. Lux is, is kind of like the guy we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, Gavin Lux, we didn't much see. You know, he was out all season, much like O'Neill Cruz, but uh, he will be a guy to follow in the spring. I, we, we touched on him, you know, earlier in the offseason, and he's he's one of those guys, and this may not be fair, but I, I fear the, the, the ship has already sailed. Like, he missed his opportunity, but I could be totally wrong. If he has a healthy 150 games in this lineup, maybe he explodes this season. Yeah, I'm getting pictures. Phil Backard, our producer over at SiriusXM, who also covers uh, everything Orioles and does the IDP for us in football at FantasyGuru.com, just sent me a couple photos before the show started. He's down at spring training. He's pumped up, obviously, as an Orioles, lifelong Orioles fan. He's got a lot to get excited about. Uh, so those juices are really going. And, you know, guys like O'Neill Cruz or Gavin Lux are, are not forgotten players by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, that post-hype sleeper term we kick around a lot. Uh, people have short memories and, you know, Gavin Lux was supposed to be a banger, like coming all up in the numbers and the production and the scouting reports, maybe never a superstar, but a really good offensive player. And we can't, we shouldn't forget that fact because he had a knee injury that cost him last season. Yeah. Um, speaking of spring training, I think there's maybe a few games tomorrow. Saturday is kind of the big day where everybody gets rolling Saturday in Florida and Arizona. So a little bit of a, uh, appetizer today and tomorrow leading up to the big weekend. Okay, Ray, let's get into O'Neill Cruz. Uh, we've been talking shortstops all week long and uh, focusing on different aspects of this position. One big question, the, the surprises of last year, the bums of last year. Uh, Thursday is kind of an open-ended spot uh, for each position where we can delve into something that maybe is, uh, is, is worth discussing. And I think O'Neill Cruz is. Um, again, there, there are a lot of great young superstars in baseball. And we know who they are, and we got to see them last year. We didn't get to see much of O'Neill Cruz. And the expectation is, you know, at the age of 25, this guy should be a superstar. And if Pittsburgh is ever going to turn things around, he'll be a big part of it. He did play a handful of games last year, about a week, week and a half before the injury. But overall, Ray, in the big leagues, and again, there he got called up extremely late in 2021. Um, kind of the same thing in 2020. He was halfway through the season. Then last year was a blown season with the injury. You know, they, they've been trying to get this guy to, they'd love to have him, Ray, in a perfect world. You'd be at 175, 180 games, maybe 200 games at this point. Instead, we got him at 98 games. And that, that doesn't mean this is not a Gavin Lux situation. Um, even Gavin Lux has played more games to that. But O'Neill Cruz is a guy who um, we're all kind of ready to see. And it's almost like he needs to do it pretty quickly. I, I don't know. It, it's it's like, um, okay, 98 games. That showed us what you could be. Now coming into 2024, show us what you will be this season. I saw this before the show this morning, randomly on social media. And I, I assume it's accurate because it's from a trusted source. Do you know that the largest free agent contract the Pirates ever signed was Francisco Liriano? <laughs> $39 million. And it was like 2013. Ugh. Sorry, Pirates fans. Um, O'Neill Cruz, and you see it, and I, I jokingly put it on the, the graphic on the screen there. He was Ellie De La Cruz before Ellie De La Cruz. Mm -hmm. And some people forget this because of the injuries and the, the, the setbacks that he's, he's dealt with. But he's 6'7", 220. Uh, in 2022, he hit the hardest ball ever tracked. <laughs> okay. 
and again, this is since 2015, roughly. So this doesn't go back to Barry Bonds era and all those guys. But think about that. The hardest ball ever hit was him in 2022. And he was also top 3% in all of baseball in arm strength, sprint speed, and base running value. Tools, okay. baby. Tools. Tools. <laughs> so he hits the ball harder than anyone. He throws it harder than anyone. He runs as fast as anyone. And he's 6'7". So this is, you know, this is a new breed of athlete that we're used to seeing in basketball, to be fair, at his size. He's got the size of a basketball player. And you can see it there per 162 games. You know, you extrapolate things out. Talk of 30-20, 90-90. I mean, that's pretty damn good for a guy who was still learning the game at the time those numbers were put up. As with so many young players, Ray, guys who have tools, guys who can kill the baseball, th there's a lot of swing and miss here. Is, is that going... I don't want to say that is what he is. I mean, again, we've got less than 100 games, but in those 100 games, he has 138 strikeouts. I mean, that is a, a massive strikeout total. If he plays a full season, Ray, I almost fully expect him at least to be 150 Ks, and, it, and we may get into the 180s. I mean, that that's possible. Now, the thing with Pittsburgh, they're going to play him. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if he's got 180 strikeouts. It, he They're committed to him. He's the guy. But, Ray, if you're getting up to those strikeout numbers, can this average change much? I mean, is is he going to be one of those guys who, with 150 games, you're going to get four strong categories, but that batting average may never get above 240 with, with those kind of strikeout numbers. Yeah, and we see a lot of players come up with this, you know, hole in their game, right? And the great ones overcome it. Will O'Neill Cruz talent allow him to do that? Will his size allow him to do that? It's obviously stupid to say, but let's say it. He's six seven. His strike zone is huge, right? Uh, he's got the same problem Ellie De La Cruz has. Ellie De La Cruz is again. So it's so fascinating the parallels here. Ellie De La Cruz and O'Neill Cruz could both go twenty five forty this year mm -hmm. and both hit two twenty nine. <laughs> you know that's that's possible. And so I think you're totally right that the the skills are going to play. He's going to be in the lineup every day. If healthy, he and he doesn't go 2020, I'd be surprised. But he might hit 238. He might hit 229. I think a top end for him is probably 250 at this point. But uh, if he th that, that's a huge key, the strikeout rate. If he goes from 34% to 27, 28%, if he makes that level of a change, he could hit 260 this season. I would argue, and this is according to NFBC, that he's a little undervalued, Ray, because of what he can be. Mm -hmm. um, he is a starting shortstop, 12 team leagues. He's the 11th off the board. It's a round pick, you know, 75 to 80 overall. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be willing to go earlier, Ray. I, I look at like, I'd take him before Matt McClain. I'd take him before Nico Horner, CJ mm -hmm. Abrams. And, and the attraction is it could be hella good. Like it, it could be four really strong categories. I, I don't, I, and again, you go into it with the idea of um, two thirty-five is fine. Mm -hmm. that, that's how I'd look at it. Two, you know, career average two thirty-seven. If if you just understand that two thirty-five, he can do a lot of things, Ray, with a two thirty-five average for sure. You know, and he's mm -hmm. going to be at the top of the order. He's going to be hopefully playing every day. All these things. So I I think he's a bit undervalued um, in that spot just because of of what can be. I'm willing to play the what can be game with him. Yeah, and our rankings over at fantasyguru.com, and again, update they're updated as, as needed, which could be as often as every day. We currently have O'Neill Cruz as shortstop nine, okay. which would be ahead of guys like Corner and McLean that you mentioned. And, you know, there's projection in that. 
it's a Pirates team that's not very good. There could be rust because he didn't play last year. We're talking about the swing and miss in the batting iron, all those kind of things. But this is not, you know, no offense, but this is not Ezekiel Duran, right? This is a guy that can be an outright superstar in this game. And I, I agree with you. You know, I did the labor draft the other night, and I ended up with uh, Lindor and Seager early. And I and it, I don't regret it, but it was like I was looking there, and I, I'm looking at the board. And I'm like, damn, well, Neil Cruz is still sitting. I would have loved to take him in this yeah. round. So I agree with you. I think that he's one of those guys that I, despite my let's play it safe, and all, the cost right now is worth investing at, at, in O'Neill Cruz. I'm totally in. Um, and speaking of costs, this is one thing we haven't really touched on uh, with shortstop. Is ready to get a starting shortstop. You got to get it early. The, these guys are disappearing by the sixth or seventh round. So that that is a position, Ray. And and some people, ah, I don't need it. I'll, I I love shortstop sixteen. He's my guy. But according to ADP, if you're wanting one of those top level guys, it's it's going to be a striking early. And in fact, on ADP, Ray, I think the first, you know, the top eight guys at shortstop are all going before the end of the fourth round, and and some of sometimes before the end of the third round in a twelve team league. So it's a position that people are gobbling up early. It is, uh, and it's one of the reasons why in that labor draft that I did go early on the shortstop because. A, that's what you got to do to play the position. B, there's a lot of talent there. And it's really like the group as a whole, a lot of those guys have speed too. Like Corey Seager doesn't. But looking at the rest of the guys that are in the top 10 at that position, like they all should be 20 steel guys. So it's a very attractive mm -hmm. position. There's some age there. There's a ton of youth there. Uh, it's a great place to be thinking early about building your team because there's a lot of talent. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz, Bobby Witt, Gunnar Henderson, C.J. Abrams, O'Neill Cruz. I mean, talk about let's get a 25 and under team put together and what will we look like? Uh, that would be a banger group, my goodness. Well, and still shoot superstars like Turner and Bichette, mm -hmm. yep. Seager, who you've talked to. I mean, they're, it's a loaded position, and that's why it's going early. But uh, just a reminder, O'Neill Cruz, um, I like the potential. And, and certainly a guy um, I may reach for. You know, I don't like early reaches, mm -hmm. uh, but if if I see him sitting around the fifth round and I don't have my shortstop, uh, by all means, I'm thinking O'Neill Cruz. Um, let us move from shortstops to our ongoing team-by-team -team previews. Today, Ray and I are taking a look at the team that calls the uh, Rocky Mountains their home. And, and uh, I don't know how often you've been to Denver, Ray. I love Denver. Um, I love Blake Street. I love the Lodo area. I love Coors Field, all that. I'll be going there later in the summer for a visit. Um, I really wish they had a better franchise. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the ballpark's great. It's like they, they got all the pieces, the city. It's thriving, you know, all these things. Like Denver deserves something better uh, than the Rockies. And they've had a few moments, but I don't think this year is going to be one of those moments, Ray. It's, it's still a team that, you know, last year they had 59 wins. Frankly, if they get more than 68, I'll be that's a win. <laughs> if, if they if they sniff 70 victories, that's a win for the Rockies this year. Um, despite all that, we still have to talk about them uh, because they do have a roster. They do have guys you can draft. And we start with our player profile, which Ray is a guy that we've been drafting for a decade now. Uh, Chris Bryant. And, you know, Chris Bryant was uh, the original Gunnar Henderson, I guess you could say. Uh, Jackson Holiday, he was a guy, wow, this guy got to be a superstar. And he's not been a letdown. I mean, he was very, very good with the Chicago Cubs. But overall, Ray, it kind of feels like, well, he's had good years with the Cubs and the start was great. And probably the last four years, it's just been there. It's 
you know, he's bounced around. The numbers haven't been there. The injuries are now catching up to him. And it's almost shocking to see that ADP on him, isn't it? It's, I understand why to an extent, but I feel, I still feel like there's, there's a better player in there than 270 overall right now. Agreed. By the way, I went to Colorado with my brother and my dad. Very fond memories. Uh, it's one of the last trips the three of us took together. Uh, loved it there as well. Beautiful, beautiful space, uh, Denver. Uh, I looked over at DraftKings and uh, the projected win total for the Rockies. Plus 100 to go over 16 and a half victories. <laughs> so the number 60 and a half for the Rockies. But that's a doubling of your money. I. Gosh, 60 wins, 61 wins, and I can double my money. That might be something I'd take them up on. Minus 120 if you don't think they're going to get to 60 and a half. So better odds to get uh, over that. (laughs) Uh, Brian is interesting, and you know this, that, you know, look, Chris Bryant's 32 years old, and he's a former star. And I have always been partial to Chris Bryant because I really like his game. Uh, There was a period of time where he was – he was never – I don't want to say it. he was never really elite in the fantasy game because he never ran and, you know, he was never hitting 315 or 320, but he was really good. And especially in on base percentage leagues, he was cranking those things out. But to your point, when they went to, when he went to Colorado, you and I both said, Rockies, what are you doing? Like this, like this is a dumb contract, eight, seven years, $182 million. And I will say it wasn't necessarily dumb to pay Chris Bryant that. I mean, it's a, it's a little high, but it was dumb for the Rockies, right? That, context. That, it was more on the team than it was on, the, like, why did you spend it on this player? Right. Why did you spend that money on any player out yeah. there with where you are? Yeah, they, they could have spent it on Ronald Acuna. It's like, what are you doing? Your team sucks. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's high expectations, obviously, when, when you come in as this huge free agent signing, and he struggled. And, you know, there are the, the positive reports. He's healthy. He's feeling good. All that kind of stuff. I don't know. Chris Bryant might be in the Byron Buxton zone now, right? He might just be a guy that plays 95 games. Maybe his body, even though he's only 32, has got to the point where he just can't play every day and all that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. You know, even though his tiers in Colorado have produced extremely moderate numbers, at a price point of 272, yeah, um, I'm in on Chris Bryant at that point. Absolutely. I, I don't think you can deny any of that at 272 because when you get to that range, Ray, you, you probably don't have many guys who, you know, again, they all got issues. Brian's is staying healthy. Okay, that's his issue. But if if we can overcome that, everything else should flow. Like, I don't think this guy can play 140 games, Ray, mm-hmm. and have fewer than 25 home runs. I, sure I don't think, yeah, I, I, if he gets 140 games, he should be sniffing 100 ribbies with that with that ballpark he gets 140 games 80 plus runs he's probably done stealing i mean what is it zero steals in two years (laughs) so i don't know if that's ever coming back but ray you know to your point to kind of give a perspective on this if you're in a 12 team league this is a guy you take in the 23rd round that could easily return top 10 round value as a 30 180 guy with a decent average to boot it's and and again that's a lot of wish casting mm-hmm. i totally get that but ray that's what everybody's doing in the 270s and this is a guy i don't think he's washed up it's just keeping him on the field like mike trout keep him on the field he'll probably be fine but the problem is you got to get him in the fifth sixth round this is a guy you get in the 23rd round by mm-hmm. all means you should be interested in taking that guy yeah, guys taking around him. Interestingly enough, the guy right behind him in ADP over at the NFBC in February is Gavin Lux. Uh, the guy right behind him is, is Max Kepler. The guy right in front of him is Brandon Lau. 
Shea Langoliers, like sign me up for Chris Bryant at that price point. Yeah. What's stunning with him, Ray? He has not hit at Coors Field. Yeah. Cubs, Giants, now the Rockies. Um, it's stunning. His career OPS there is 738. That, which, He's which is below the yeah, the work he's done on the road in the same time. Yeah, it's it's nine homers in 84 games there. Nine. So I, I still believe 25 with 140. Yeah, sign me up. But for whatever reason, he's not a guy who's done well. well he's had a back court. issue too, right? Isn't that been one of the things with him? And you know, uh, but yeah, I if you I would say 20, 80, 80. That's where I would want to be, right? And if he gets 25, 90, 90, or whatever, okay. But if he goes 20, 80, 80 at that price point you're paying, you're going to be totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, four questions on this Rockies team as we move away from the uh, focus on Bryant. Let's focus on the guy, Ray. Um, it's going to sound weird because he'd never – Chris Bryant came up and there was hype. Th this guy has not seen the hype. Um, I remember when he was traded to the Rockies last winter, we said, oh, well, why not? Got a young guy, throw him at third base in the outfield. Maybe he'll hit. Nolan Jones, who, again, it's a, it's a no-nothing team, Ray. Mm -hmm. But he's about, you know, every year there's like the Rocky hitter. You know, that, oh, that guy gets to play Coors Field. Nolan Jones is probably that guy. I, I mm -hmm. don't feel like I see a whole lot about Nolan Jones, who had a surprisingly across-the-board solid season. Like, he was good, good in all five categories. Not great, but... I wonder, Ray, is this the next great Rockies hitter where you say, wow, look at that product of Coors Field. Nolan Jones had 32 homers and 110 ribbies. Or is that just silliness? Well, it's, it's funny. I was talking to Jeff Manns a couple weeks ago as he was kind of really starting to get into to baseball as soon as like the World Series, I mean, excuse me, the Super Bowl was done. And he's like, you know, this Nolan Jones kid, I'm thinking to myself, I saw a couple games in the second half last year and I'm thinking, yeah. He goes, then I look up and I realize he went 2020. And he's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're not sneaking Nolan Jones by anyone this year. Uh, he was great down the stretch. Yeah. And, you know, talking about course field, and we always discuss that with the course field effect, right? We just discussed it with Chris Bryant. Look at Nolan Jones. At home, his OPS was 928 last year. On the road, it was 935. <laughs> he was better on the road than at Coors. In both, in both spots, it was a 900 OPS. Against lefties and against righties, his OPS against both was over 900. So whether it was a lefty, a righty, at home or on the road, his OPS was 900 last year, which is wow. Now, I think the problem we run into with Jones is if we try to, you know, prognosticate out further growth, right? If we say, well, he went 20, 20 in 100 games, he's going 28, 28 this year. I'm not in there. I'm not, that's mm -hmm. not my, you know, that's not where I think this ends up. I also am not convinced he's going to push to hit 300. What I would say is, let's say 275, let's say 25 home runs, 15 steals, and if he plays daily, like you were talking about going 90-90, that might be disappointing for some people to hear numbers like that because there's no big, wow, standout number after what he did in 106 games last year. But you got to understand, 275, 20, 90, 90, 15 is a hell of a season. Yeah. And that would be a great building point for him as he starts his everyday career. It's uh, kind of funny, Ray, to sit here and we, we start with Bryant, we follow with Jones and we, we play the what if game. It's like, wow. These, and people are probably say, well, these Ray and Kyle think the Rockies are going to win uh, 85 games. <laughs> We've really crossed the positive. That's it. <laughs> you know? Those are the two guys that, that maybe have a, a turnaround or 
big numbers because Ray, we go to question two and, and here's where the fogginess kind of comes around with this team. Uh, talk about Nolan Jones in the outfield. Uh, you know, Brian's probably a first baseman. The other two outfield spots, because again, history has told us you should probably care about any guy in the Rockies who's going to play every day. You should probably at least kick the tires on him. Sean Bouchard and Brenton Doyle. Ray, you just said Jeff Manns. Oh, look, look at Nolan Jones. Wow. Brenton Doyle and Sean Bouchard. Now, inform us because everybody's coming across those names and probably has no earthly idea who those guys are for the Rockies. You can't mention Rockies outfielders without mentioning Bradley Zimmer, too, Kyle. Oh, goodness. Yeah, the, yeah, the big yeah. ad. This <laughs> <all>. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it this way. Boy, do the Rockies hope that Zach Veen is coming soon. Um, <laughs> that's really what they need. I mean, are these guys draftable in the mixed league? No. I will say that Brenton Doyle, for what it is worth, is a speed guy. And, you know, if you're looking at, Ray, give me a guy who could steal 38 bases this year that no one's talking about. It's Brenton Doyle. He's totally he's free. <laughs> yeah, totally free. He stole 22 bases last year, right? And I don't think anyone noticed he stole 22 bases. Now he hit 200, right? So there, he's not, you know, his hit tool is, I'll be kind and say his hit tool is bad. Okay. Is he the NL version of Miles Straw? Is that what we're looking at, maybe? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got a little more power, but similar-ish, yes. And so it's like, you know, Doyle is someone that I, I don't think even in, like, I don't think he got drafted last night or two nights ago in labor, right? I don't think he's really going to get drafted. Yeah. But, you know, we're on April 15th and you got an injury or two in the outfield and you look up and this dude's already stole four bases. Like, he'll be someone that is on and off rosters probably a lot this year because I think he plays a lot and he can run. Probably hits at the bottom of the order. You know, maybe he goes 15-30 this year. Like, it, it, as crazy as that sounds, Brenton Doyle could go 15-30 this year. Again, might hit 214, but, you know, he's got power a little bit and he's certainly got the speed. Expectation is both those guys, Bouchard and Doyle, probably at the bottom of the lineup uh, for the Rockies because they're just so damn strong at the top. It's it's impossible to break through. Uh, question three, Ray. Who's going to close games here? And and let me, before you even try to give an answer, and, and this will be maybe the toughest question of the preseason for Ray Flowers, <laughs> who's going to close games here. I will say this, Ray, if they get to late March and they name a closer, I don't give two craps about it. I, I, I the, the Rockies closer, whomever it may be, even if they, and I don't even know if they'll name a guy. They may just guess all season long, but Ray, I'm not getting in on that game. Coors Field will help nobody. I don't think any of these guys can just run with the job. It's, this is a totally toxic spot, I think, for, for saves this year. Yeah, Daniel Bard is still floating around. He's got the experience of all the guys in the group. He's also you know, almost 40 years old. And frankly, there are times where he goes out there and he can't throw strikes, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that if you're going to go with a guy here, and I just checked the rankings, we have him 40th at RP. Uh, it's just higher than I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Justin Lawrence. And, you know, Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinley and Daniel Bard. Now, it's really tough, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like saves leagues. If, you know, Justin Lawrence gets 17 saves this year and you draft him 40th at RP, okay, right? The problem is, what if it's he's the closer, he's not the closer, he's the closer, he's not the closer. What if his ERA is 4-6? Yeah. You know, it's like, are you even going to roster him? Or is he going to be this, the guy on the waiver wire, the one guy on the waiver wire this year that you look up, it's like, 
there's a 15 save down the waiver wire, but no one wants him. Well, so, and, and Ray, if he gets a 32 saves, okay, that plays. But it, I, I would almost bet on a 4-2, 4-3 ERA yeah. and a whip of 1-4. So, I mean, those things just hurt you as much as the saves help you, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, his walk rate in his three seasons has been 11% or higher. That's terrible. He's got the ballpark factor. One positive for him is that he is not an extreme ground ball pitcher, but he's about 50% for his career. So he does keep the ball on the ground. So the home runs globally, you know, all season long, shouldn't be an issue that precludes him from being who he is. But it's, it's you know, we're, we're just banking on saves here. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. am I hunting Justin Lawrence? No. Am I targeting him? No. Am I going to draft him? Like, I drafted Will Smith the other night in the labor draft, and, you know, Will Smith could only be the closer half the year for the Royals and get traded. He may not even be the closer – I'd rather have Will Smith than Justin Lawrence. I mean, that's – and I I just – Justin Lawrence is not someone I'm going to have, I don't think, on any team unless I'm in an only league. Did, did, do you recall if he was picked? I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I yeah, wonder. I don't. I, I'm sure somebody took a shot on, you know, the saves maybe late. And, and this leads to question four. Is there a pitcher anywhere on this roster, Ray, that you want? I, I think it's zero. That you would even think of, uh, you kind of made a case for Lawrence, you know, if things just, you know, last pick of the draft or whatever. Mm -hmm. But is that as good as it gets? And I'm throwing the starters in here. This this just looks bad everywhere in terms of pitching for this team. Justin Lawrence went in the 24th round of a 15-team mixed league. Brenton Doyle went in the 26th round. So they were drafted, Kyle. Um, By the way, where's Chris Bryant? Look him up. Chris Bryant was in the at uh, the 15th round. Oh, a little higher than yeah, I would a little thought. bit. Yeah. Um, no on the pitching. No. Not a Just guy. No. Yeah. There, there's not a guy there in, you know, the Rockies want their pitchers to have a 4-2-8 ERA and a 1-2-9 whip and just do that. That's that's and that's the way the staff is built. I don't think any of these guys, maybe Austin Gomber or Dakota Hudson, maybe can bring strikeouts to the point where they're about in one an inning, but I don't care. Um, you know, German Marquez, Herman Marquez, excuse me, who's out with Tommy John surgery was the one guy recently that you could take a shot on because he threw 190 innings every year yeah. and he gave 180 strikeouts every year. So there was that piece to things, but looking at this Rockies rotation, looking at the bullpen, I don't see a reason to, to grab any of these guys at this point. It is uh Kyle Freeland, Cal Quantrill, who they added as a, uh, trade. Edition. Oh boy. Ugh. Austin Gomber, Ryan Feltner, and Dakota Hudson. That's probably your starting five right now. Hideous. Um, and, and again, they didn't make any additions. I mean, Hudson was added. Uh, Bradley Zimmer was added. Quantrill. I mean, the, the, that's where the Rockies are right now, which, again, it makes sense. They, they shouldn't be spending money on anybody at this point. It, it leads to the prospects, right? And you mentioned one, Zach Veen, mm-hmm. who I, I, I think in terms of, like, potential and impact, he's maybe leveled off a bit. You know, people – the people who are into the scouting game and the rookie game and the prospects game, he's, he's maybe slid a bit. We're going to see him this year. It, it sounds like Sterling Thompson is probably their top hitter. Um, he was a guy just drafted, I think, in the second round last year out of college. They got a pitcher out of college, Chase Dollander, who was like a superstar uh, either in his sophomore or junior year at Tennessee, then kind of fell off a cliff. He still got drafted in the first round, but people were like, oh, what the hell happened here? All three of those guys, Ray, would probably see at some point. I don't know if any of the three are worth stashing or sitting on. It's, you know, play it by ear as we get into the season. Yeah, Zach Fien is intriguing because his hit tool, he's very similar to Brenton Doyle in the fact that he's going to run. He's likely going to steal a lot of bases. 
his hit tool is better than Doyle. Uh, but to your point, the prospect gurus have soured a little bit on his game. You're, you're totally right to say that. They're not as excited about the bat as they used to be. But Veen can run. And, you know, he'll show up and he'll that's what he'll do. So there, if if and when he, he you know, gets his groove going on the minors, you know, and he's never played what I'm looking at. He's played 80 games at double A. Once he gets going, he gets called up. Like Bouchard, Doyle, Zimmer, these guys can't stop. There's no reason to stop. Ryan's you know, going to be hurt, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So there's no reason for Veen to be blocked if he's performing at the minor league level. So we'll see him at some point. But it's it's not a, necessarily a one-category play, but I'm kind of looking at it like that. Like yeah. that. Uh, take a chance on whom, Ray Flowers? I We talked about him, and I hate it because we talked about it. But I'm going Chris Bryant. I'm a Mark. I'm just going Chris Bryant. I wanted to say Charlie Blackman, who's better than people give him credit for, but I'm going to go Chris Bryant. I, I'm going to mention a guy that we talked about too. Um, it's Nolan Jones. Cause that's a name like seriously, people, this is a top 15 outfielder right now that you have to draft. And I think that's going to be a name. People will hesitate. It's like, I can get Mike Trout after Nolan Jones. <laughs> like there's that, there's that mental block, right? <laughs> I'm going to draft Nolan Jones ahead of Mike Trout. I take a chance on it. I, I I think this can be a hugely productive bad. I think Ray's point on him is important, though. Don't extrapolate that I get 155 games and this guy's going 30-30. Yeah. You know, maybe last year was a little bit per game too high. Maybe this year comes back to a no more normal rate. The numbers are still there. You know, it's still going to be good, but it's not going to be explosive. Uh, maybe Coors changes that, but I'd take a chance on him. My uh, man to... Uh, how do I phrase this? Pass on. I, I'm going to go Ezekiel Tovar Ray, who's very young. Mm -hmm. uh, he was 21. And honestly, he was fine as a 21 year old last year. But I'm going to pass on him, Ray, because where he is landing in drafts, there are so many other guys I'd rather have at shortstop. Like, I honestly, I'd rather take a shot on Carlos Correa figuring something out than, than Ezekiel Tovar. I don't know. And I hate saying this about a guy who's 22 and plays at Coors Field, but I, I don't know if there's really you know, a lot more to offer there. If like there's a, a number that takes off, I, I just think there are better options in his draft area at his position. So I'm going to pass on Tovar. By the way, are you excited or proud of me for not saying I want to take this chance on the guy behind me? I didn't even say Brandon Rogers. Without saying, right. This okay. is, yeah, it goes without saying. Uh, I think you're right about Tovar. Tovar had a really strong season for his age and his development, right? Is there another step this year? I don't I don't see it at this point in time. Doesn't walk much. Strike a rate was higher than we would like to see. The batted ball data is very moderate. I think he's totally fine, but I'm, it's hard for me to see growth, so I understand what you're saying. Who's your guy to pass on? Yeah, and I, you know, he's productive. He qualifies at two spots, but I'm going to say Ryan McMahon. And, you know, there's, there's safety in McMahon because his floor is his floor. The problem is his floor is here and his ceiling is here. There's he, This is what he is. So mm -hmm. there's consistency there. There's dual position eligibility. But as I have said for years now, the breakout that people anticipated <laughs> happening just never happened. I always find him in a few of my teams, right? And you keep thinking like, oh, I got him at Coors Field for six right. games. And he sits one. He has one good game out of the whole week. And you're like, yeah. And he's a fine player. It's just we've always wanted more. He had 198 strikeouts last year, Kyle. 198. Yeah, yuck. Uh, tomorrow, a team that used to be right there where the Rockies are now, Detroit. Uh, things are things are turning in the Motor City. Uh, we will take a look at the Tigers coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, let us now go to the uh, Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Uh, each and every day, we like to uh, promote, to discuss, to profile 
an article that Ray has up. Uh, Ray, today it is strand rate, uh, left on base percentage. So we're talking about on the pitcher side. Um, I don't know. Do you ever care about the left on base percentage by a hitter? <laughs> I don't know if I ever do, but but yeah. pitchers, I guess we, we should care about, right? Yeah, and I think that this is one of those numbers. It's kind of the it's kind of the pitching component of batting average of balls in play for hitters. And I say that because there are pitchers that are continually just a bit below the league average, just a but above the league league average. But really, it's a pretty narrow band. Like if you leap one year, you kind of pull back the next year. If you suck one year, you kind of get better the next year. There's a very defined band where pitchers generally end up. And if you look at two, three, four years, most of the time you kind of end up in that zone. I'm glad you put the league average here. And I don't know if that stayed consistent over the years, if it's always in that range. But in, a, in effect, Ray, that because this is a question that sometimes pops up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've got a young baseball fan, hopefully developing in the family. And there will probably be a moment where he says, you know, if you get on base, how often do you score? And mm-hmm. and I guess, Ray, roughly speaking, you know, 27.5% of the time, if you get on base, you can plan to score. Uh, the bolded spot here, I think, is important because that's that's really how you use this number, Ray, because it can give insight into a guy who um, had a lower ERA than we had a right to expect or a higher ERA. Now, other things go into ERA, of course, BABIP and home run percentage and home runs per nine, all that stuff. But I, I think the left on base percentage, Ray, there are some years where it's out of whack and, and a player looks maybe worse or better than they actually were. Yeah, since 2015, the lowest this number has been is 71.8%, and the highest it's been is 72.9%, which, again, is an extremely narrow grouping. Uh, I think, yeah, that the and, – and talking about the bolded parts here, look at this. When I say it, it you know, deviates by more than five percentage points, then we're considering something significant likely to go in the other direction. It's five points. So mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, 67%, 78%, something like that, which, again, is a pretty narrow grouping. So – it's not a universal, if it's high, it's going to go low, and if it's low, it's going to go high thing. Some guys are at 77% every year, right, because they're better out of the stretch, because they have better defense behind them, because they don't allow home runs. That you know, So they're, you know, it's not just like batting average balls of play. It's a very good starting point, because to your point, Kyle, if you look at a guy and you know his ERA was 4.8 this year, and all these numbers are like, this is better than league average, that's better than league average, that's an impressive number. And then you go look at his left on base rate, and it's 68%. It's like mm-hmm. – we kind of know that number's going up and that's going to drop that ERA down potentially half a run just with the leveling out of that. And, and the other part Ray is, and I think this is something again, a lot of this stuff can kind of be the determining hair to split. If you're looking at two guys, you know, Oh, this number is important to me, but along with this number is the idea of the bullpen and, and what's behind them. And, what do we look at? I mean, I, I know going into this year, a team like the Minnesota is, you know, I don't think people talk about them as like a great staff or bullpen. You know, they're just kind of there, maybe an AL Central winner, but not a threat for the World Series. But, Ray, that's a team where, you know, they have starting pitchers you should kind of be interested in, a few of them. And they have a really good bullpen. And so maybe a guy like Joe Ryan, or maybe we saw this with Pablo Lopez last season. I don't have this, but I wonder how many times Lopez left the game with runners on base and how often those guys came around because Minnesota has a good bullpen. They had a good one last year. They got a good one, it appears, this year. And and that is just one example of maybe you say, oh, I'm going to go with this Twins pitcher over this guy from, uh, I don't know, Arizona or wherever it may be. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up as we talk here. And, and you know, to your point, 
You look at the pitchers last year that were in the rotation. Sonny Gray was 77%. Pablo Lopez was 76%. Joe Ryan was 75%. Kenna Maeda was 74%. And Bailey Ober was 79%. Every single one of them over the league average. <laughs> yeah, and a couple of them substantially, right? Because yeah. when you start approaching 80, that's like – that's that's – uh, that's not repeatable level stuff. And they had three guys over, over 76%. So yeah, you know that, and this is why, this is also why the number isn't like batting average of balls in play, not directly telling you the full story because the pitcher could do everything right. Bullpen could blow it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that. So yeah. Um, it's a team game. We don't always look at it that way because we're so focused on the individual players, but a lot of these numbers you know, pitching side of things, ERA, offensive side, the run scored. A lot of it is certainly based on team context. I am looking at uh, fan graphs who uh, they always have fun stuff here. Best, you know, they have a ranking of the best bullpens, you know, what they foresee. Philly's number one, which is crazy because two, three years ago, they had no idea what they were doing in the bullpen. Uh, Braves, twins are three. Brewers and Pirates. How about that one, Ray? I mean, no one's interested really in pitching staffs, uh, pitching options, assets from the Brewers and the Pirates. But again, if, if that's legitimate, and who knows, a thousand things are going to happen. But uh, at least on the surface, going into the year, the Brewers and the Pirates maybe could help you with some starting pitchers having a lower ERA than you might expect. Yeah, and teams need, I mean, this game we talk about all the time. What is it? Like, it's not even 60%, I think, last year of the innings were thrown by starting pitchers. So bullpens are extremely important, not just for the left on base percentage, but just for the overall health of a team. And it doesn't have to, we focus again on the ninth inning, right? Mm -hmm. Who's getting the saves. And, but, you know, having a strong bullpen, whether you've got four guys with seven saves or you have one guy with 35, having that bullpen, you know, it's a huge differentiator in the fantasy space for your overall team performance and certainly in the real world for these teams. I love how they can give uh, projections on left on base percentage. <laughs> that <That's>... figures. <laughs> <laughs> but the Brewers are projected <laughs> out of their bullpen to have a 73.6 LOB. So <laughs> do with that what you will. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's, I'd love to see uh, that number get figured out, Ray. Cause yeah. I don't even know who you're facing. <laughs> no, <laughs> when, the situation, when you're coming in, yeah. when the pitcher that's starting is going out of the game. Hey, yeah, let's give it a shot though, Kyle. Left on base percentage, uh, strand rate. You can find more of that as well as a uh, dozens upon dozens of articles in the uh, 2024 Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. You see it down there, FSD20 to get 20% off. Uh, Ray, we'll wrap it up with some uh, quick news and notes. Uh, you mentioned our buddy Phil Backert down at uh, Baltimore Orioles camp. Mm -hmm. uh, he will not see Gunnar Henderson mm -hmm. doing much of anything. Uh, we're now hearing he'll miss at least a, a week of spring games, and he's got no bleak issue. I, I've got no problem with the decision, Ray. Again, there's no reason. It, it just isn't. It's it's one of those things, and we've said this with other injuries. It's like, I don't really care with this one, Ray, unless we get to, like, March 15th, and it's still not happening. Right. You know, he's doing only backfield work. I would like to see him in an actual game in spring camp. So I, I think, you know, that's still two and a half, three weeks away. So to me, this Henderson thing, not a shocker. It's a little different with Tommy Edmond. And I know he's not drafted as a superstar, yeah. but Ray, he had a wrist surgery at the end of last year. And according to reports, he's not even cleared for full activities right now. And he's a pretty important piece to the Cardinals puzzle. I don't know about fantasy puzzles, but that's a guy who could be limited at the start of the season. Yeah, multi-position flexibility is obviously his calling card, and it's what really intrigues us in the fantasy space. Certainly the ability to steal 30 bases as well. 
but he is he is someone that has to play every day. He mm-hmm. does not do anything outstanding. He's got to get the, the plate appearances. If his plate appearance total is 470 versus 570, it drastically changes the production he gets. So that is definitely a guy to, to keep keep close tabs on because he's very useful because of that flexibility and the speed, but he's got to be in that lineup. Kodai Singa of the uh, Mets is dealing with arm fatigue. Uh, February? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Miami. We, we talked about Tim Anderson yesterday when we kind of run through shortstops and, you know, guys who struggled last year and said, are you surprised, Ray, that he doesn't have it? And I guess it comes down to money, Ray, and I get it. He's a vet who hasn't had that one big significant payday, and everybody thinks they're better maybe than the market does. Uh, but we got a report yesterday the Miami Marlins would love to have Tim Anderson. They'd make him their starting shortstop if he'll play for $2 million. bucks. <laughs> I get that, Ray. If you're Tim Anderson, you're looking at that and saying, hell no. I mean, even if I can be a starting short, what, oh, what, what, we got a, We got an agreement? What? You got an update? Uh, since the show began, he is now the Marlins shortstop. Aha! How much and do we have money? One year, $5 million. So more than was reported. Okay. It, that raise two and a half times more. And again, that's he was probably going into this rate and saying, okay, I had a rough year, but I can get two years, 12, 15 million. Right. Markets told him you're one in five. And th- this is that we always hear about the giant contracts, but the middle ground is just wiped out. And Tim Anderson fell into that middle ground and he settles now. Okay. He's with the Marlins. He's a starter, Ray. Mm-hmm. If you're in a 29 round 12 teamer, you find a spot for Tim Anderson late. I mean, this guy, what a terrible time to do what he did last year. I mean, he had 318. I think he was second in baseball and batting average over the previous four years before hitting 245 yeah. last year. So he hits open market. There's no desire for this excitement for his services, as you mentioned. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's a great signing for the Marlins and it's good in the fantasy sense because this is not him going to be a utility guy. He's going to play every day. Uh, He's 30 years old. He'll be 31 later this season. I think there's going to be a rebound from last season. Is it back to him hitting 15 home runs and batting 300? I can't go that far. So I think that Tim Anderson is will take a veteran flyer on a guy that could weasel his way toward the top of the order when it's all said and done. You know, maybe he goes 10-15 this year, hits 275. Is he draftable in deep leagues? Yes. But again, I'm not expecting him to go back to like his 2021 levels or anything like that. This team, Ray, is is pretty interesting with Miami. We, we've talked about him before and where's the offense. And, you know, you add Tim Anderson. I'm not saying he's a linchpin. But now this offense looks a lot better, at least name recognition. They've got still a good pitching staff. The problem is the NL East. But, Ray, if you threw this Marlins team, in the AL Central, NL Central, maybe even the AL West. I, I think you got a second place team in all those divisions. You could maybe even put them in the NL West to get a second place team. It's, it, it, you know, we joke about the Marlins, how cheap they are, crappy ballpark, all that. And, you know, they don't really have an offense, but it's a, it's a decent team. They're just stuck in the absolute wrong division right now. Yeah, I mean, Sanio Contra is out for this season with Tommy John surgery, but he's obviously a huge piece of the, the rotation. The rotation, Luzardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, Edward Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers. On paper, that could be a really good rotation. They've got big arms in the bullpen for sure. For sure. And you look at their bench, and, you know, it's a bench. And John Birdie can play a little bit everywhere. Vidal Brujan can play infield and outfield. And he's got a lot of speed. 
And Nick Gordon can play infield and outfield. It's a good yeah. major league player. Like that's a really, like you said, this is a good roster build for a team that doesn't have all the money to spend, but it is a tough division to be in. Well, they're, they're kind of building like uh, the team to the uh, Northwest of them in Tampa. Yeah. I mean, they kind of have a similar makeup where now Tampa has got the high end, you know, pro- hitters, you know, guys that we expect, you know, Caminero, Rosarina, you know, these guys who can be difference makers at the dish. Miami does not have that. That's kind of the difference on that front. Um, Eric Hosmer has retired, ending a 13-year career. I guess we call it a success. Um, obviously, will be remembered as a royal mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else. Never really happened with the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Padres. He bounced around late, but a good career for him. And then, Ray, our final thing on the uh, NFL side, Justin Fields jumped on a a podcast with his teammate, Equinemius St. Brown, and then I think Equinemius' brother, Amon Ra St. Brown. They have a podcast. Sure, it's not as good as Ray and I, but they have one. But they do get Justin Fields on their podcast. And they had him on yesterday, Ray, and uh, he was pretty open that he's kind of tired of all the crap and the trades and he's unfollowed. There there was a big thing about him unfollowing the Bears and – He's unfollowed everything in the NFL. He was just tired of seeing that on his timeline, Justin Fields rumors, because that really has been probably one of the top two or three storylines in the NFL for the past three, four weeks is what are the bears going to do with Justin Fields? And uh, as you might expect, he's kind of just tired. I mean, he's heard for the last three years, you're our future. And now Ray, he feels like that was a total lie. almost. (laughs) Well, you know, the the part that strikes me is not the frustration because I, if I was an athlete that, Point blank, I wouldn't pay six seconds of attention to social media. No way in hell. But hasn't the team? Why hasn't the team sat down with him and told him? Isn't that like? Isn't that just whether it's sorry, kid, or we love you, kid? Like, why can't the team sit down? If they're really not telling him, you have to think they're undecided. And if someone bowls him over, they're going to trade him, right? That has. Am I wrong by analyzing it that way? One of the difficulties is where does he go? Because there, there aren't, I don't know, like I saw Vegas mentioned, but it's like, why would they, they just hired the OC in Vegas. That was the OC in Chicago. They yeah, couldn't really make it like that makes no sense. I, I've seen New England mentioned. New England's, New England's been mentioned a lot. I, I could see that Atlanta's been mentioned. Pittsburgh is now popping up. Um, you know, those are possibilities, right? But are the Bears going to, like, I get it. They got Caleb Williams if they want, but are the Bears going to give away Justin Fields for like a fifth round pick? No, that, that's what he because of his contract and how you have to commit to him. It, it sounds crazy. And again, I, I've gone on record time and time and time again. And I'm not changing my stripes. They should stick with Fields. Mm-hmm. They should. Um, and if the number one pick nobody wants to pay your price, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. You call mm-hmm. it a day. You're yeah. fine. Yep. You know, if someone wants to pay your price, you're walking away with uh, maybe even again Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, you can flip flop with the Patriots flip-flop with the commanders right and you're still walking away with a great receiver and extra picks so i i still think that's the route ray to go where you hold on to fields and worst case scenario you take marvin harrison jr as your number one overall pick another team mentions the steelers i think that would be intriguing if you were to end up there but yeah i mean if you think about it commit more harrison a backfield that works like that all of a sudden looks like a potentially pretty dynamic offense i don't you know i don't see the issue with that i agree with you justin fields if if the bears don't want him and it seems like they're gonna then trade him to my team you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if i was a fan i'd be like get this guy he, he again over and over again he's a top half 
in this league quarterback. What people will see who just kind of read articles or follow the Chicago Tribune or something. Right. Every time they talk, they talk about how bad he is as a passer. Which I don't know why anyone's surprised his numbers over the last two years or three years or where they're at. They, they they really haven't built much of an offense at all there. Correct. And he's not, his skill set is running. That's where he's dynamic. So maybe the Bears thought they were getting something else or thought he was going to make. And, and I guess if that's the case, move on. But any team that gets him, Ray, just understand he's a runner. Like, I, I, I hope no team is saying, let's add Justin Fields and we're going to turn him into a passer. You know, this is the game you pay, played when you signed him. When he drafted him, I should say. So I, it, it, it's really weird that Chicago is like out on this guy because Caleb Williams is going to be, you know, there's just as there are better odds, Ray, that Caleb Williams is a worse player than Justin Fields. I think that's fair. And that's people don't believe that at all. But look at quarterbacks drafted early. Justin Fields hasn't been too damn bad. <laughs> he just has not. Uh, we shall see more to come. What's the draft two months? Uh, yeah, coming up. About, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we got coverage over at Fantasy Guru. Hey, tonight, NBA is back. And Ray, you're back on Sirius XM. You and Justin get to get the thoughts. A busy night of NBA that you guys will get to uh, follow along this evening, right? Yeah, Elite Sports Game Time, 8 to 10 Monday through Thursday on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. So 8, 8 o'clock Eastern tonight, Justin and I will be out there. It's been a slow couple first days of the show. It's been more yeah. of a traditional radio show because there hasn't there's only been a couple of hockey games going each night. But yeah, the basketball gets going. And if you thought Justin had energy the first two shows, I'm sure he's gonna have even more energy with all the basketball games tonight. Yes, he will. If nothing else, he is a uh, jolt of uh, energy that fence from it. So that'll be fun. Eight o'clock Eastern tonight. Ray and I are back tomorrow, eleven a.m. Uh, thanks to everybody tuning in. Let's see tomorrow. We'll wrap up short stops. We'll talk some prospects for this year. Uh, we'll head to Detroit, talk to Tigers. Ray will have another column to spotlight. Probably some more news and notes. And again, we'll have our first uh, spring training final. Uh, Padres and Dodgers play at 310 later today. Ray, have a great afternoon, and we'll talk on Friday. You do the same, pal. He is Ray Flowers. I am Kyle Offering. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.